I do think it's an aid to all of us as, as people of humankind that we don't want to just survive. We don't want to just make it. We want to thrive. We were designed to thrive. Ephesians has been that. We will continue in today. We're still in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, of course, a couple, I think one more Sunday, then we're going to transition out of that. Just to remind, last week I just want to clarify something. I always listen to my message because I always want to make sure if I overstate something uh, to clarify it. I think I said last week it's been a couple of years since I talked about giving. So if you hadn't been, if the only time you ever hear me, you ever heard me preach is talking about giving, you hadn't been here often enough. Okay. However, though, it's been about 15 months, just so in case you look it up and go, hey, that man was lying to me. So just want to make sure. Okay. And the other thing I just want to tell you, we have earplugs available now. Not a lot of clapping, but hey, there you go. We realize we have pushed you guys to where you used to sit. You no longer sit. Many of you, now you've been pushed down front, and we're just so thankful for that. Again, I, like I said last week, I, I will, as the old saying, the worst, or the, the, I think it's revolutionary order, don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes. Well, now I can see <clears throat> the whites of your eyes, so it's good. But I know in the midst of that, the music, because there's different hot spots, and I know that. So we are, these are available now, and they're back there on the table, so just want to make sure, and it's not just a joke, it's the truth. And so there you go. We want to make sure we're helping you as much as we can as we move forward. Because we believe that music is a weapon. And if it's put in our hands and put in God's hand, he puts it as a weapon to fight back the enemy. It's a tool. And you don't have to like this kind of music, but find it. Because I see it over and over in Scripture about singing praise and marching. It's something that's important to your life, I believe. Convinced of that. So find yours. That's all right. Because we've been given this superhuman task, right? We've talked about it the last few weeks. This superhuman task that has to be beyond anything you can do on your own. One is battling evil. Advancing the kingdom. And help in the process of not only our lives, but in other people's lives being transformed into the image of God. They really can't change. That's superhuman. That people used to be this, and now they've become this. That's what we're going to talk about today. Is this transition we've talked about, used last week about the ladder, and I won't go preach the whole thing again. I won't ask people to come and help me or anything, but that thought, if you're only here for one time, just this thought, so it'll help you. Maybe today as you're working through this message, but it is that thought that at the foot of the cross, the foot of the cross, as Billy Graham says, it all is even, even ground. There is no caste and there is no gender. There is no, everybody comes at the same place. But he lets us get good and stout there, good and strong there. Then he goes, okay, we're going to the next level, next rung. But his rungs are further apart, right? His rungs where you're going to feel it. You're going to know that God is moving in your life, and you're going to have to stretch. You're going to have, and he continues to do that. And I'm so thankful that God never tells us how far his ladder goes up, because I'd probably stop. You're taking me there. You're going to allow me to go through that to teach me and to show me. You're going to allow me to battle, as, again, back to what McManus would say, or McManus would say, the reward for winning a battle is what? A greater battle. 
It's not rest. It's not peace. It's a greater battle. God's going to continue to to change me. He's going to continue to transform me. So I've got to continue to step into it. And every time he moves me, he's moving me for another reason. I don't even know what it is yet. God, take me where you need to take me. Change me. Move on my life. You better mean it, though, if you're going to pray it. Do you mean it? Again, of course, he takes you where it says, do not stand and sit. And he says, trust me. Because what I'm putting in front of you is superhuman. It's supernatural. We're common people that, we, that you've been labeled in your life. And I've said over and over, you don't, nobody, you don't know anybody that was born common. You may know a lot of people who have become common. But you don't know of anybody that was born common. That we have a power that can take the common and make them uncommon to transform them. Folks, I'm preaching good news to you. I just want you to know that. It's good news. And I'm going to share with you today, I hope, to help you tell you the biggest hindrance to that. If I preached one sermon the rest of my life, if it was only one I got to preach, obviously I want people to know Christ as their Savior, obviously. But this one today, I believe, weighs as as much as that in your journey. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. I could go back further than that. Again, here's what's interesting about Scripture. Obviously, you know, and we'll talk about it even as we go into the... Is, is that you got, you have to take Ephesians as a whole. Okay, what happens is sometimes when you're preaching, especially like at a one chapter, if you're not careful, if you're coming in here, you'll almost then separate that sermon from the sermon before. Does that make sense? You see how that happens? Because we almost think it like, well, he, Paul was writing to a Galatians, and now I had to write to Ephesians. No, he's writing to the same people, and it's just a flow. So you can't just take one piece of it. You've you got to take all that together. So what we've been preaching for the last month out of Ephesians 4, you've got to take it all together. And Paul's talking about love, and he's talking about unity. He's talking about growing up. And Philippians, when we get into Philippians, it's all about being grown up. So where we're headed, where we've been, and where we're headed is all about that. So you can't separate what I'm going to preach today from what we've preached up to this point. And, and Josiah and, and Dan and, and, and Allie, it's important that you understand it's not a standalone. It's really important. But Ephesians 17 through 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you may no longer live as the Gentiles in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Let me stop right there just a second. I don't believe you walk away, ever walk away from the cross neutral. Some of you may walk out of here today going, Phew. I didn't go to the altar. I didn't get emotionally. I didn't make any commitments I can't keep. Everybody makes a decision. I heard this years ago. Is that 
talking back, back when I was attending the Baptist church, they said they were down at Luby's. Anybody know what a Luby's is? Okay. Luby's said they were standing in line and somebody asked the pastor, said, Pastor, how many decisions do you have today? He said, I had 250. He said, I had 250 people decide to do nothing. <laughs> we all decide, don't we? We all decide. And if you've ever been a person like I was for a decade, from 16 to about 26, who hardened, hardened, knew the Spirit, knew the Spirit was drawing me at 16, heard what it was saying to me, but over a time, hardened my heart. I didn't want to hear from God, went almost a decade besides funerals and weddings of ever stepping into a church. hardening of your heart verse 19 having lost all sensitivity what happens to a culture when they harden themselves against God it's a free for all losting all lost, losing all sensitivity They have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. I'm not even going to preach on this. Okay. (laughs) But look. So that however is that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old bad self. (laughs) Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Some of you need to be underlining this if you've got a way to do it. So let me make sense. So Paul's been working us through Ephesians 4. Boom, 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 boom. Here we are. Boom. It's about the gifts. Oh, it's about unity. And it's about all. Oh, but here we got a problem. We have a problem. And I got to deal with this. I got to tell you guys about the problem. And it's the problem that started in the beginning of time, and it's the problem we deal with every one of us. People say, did you believe in the Genesis account? I said, I don't know all what that looks like, but I can tell you I see it lived out every day. That's what I do know. (laughs) I see that every day. In my own life, trying to battle it, but also see in other people's lives, they're deceived. That part I do believe. I believe all of them. I'm just saying the account of it. I see it lived out every day. It's not a two. It's not. It's not centuries or decades ago, or millennials ago. Which being corrupted by deceitful desires, verse twenty-three, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying and don't hear what Paul didn't say. Paul didn't say to be God, but to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
That's the reason why it's real comfortable, comfortable for me to say every time I say it, no one was born uncommon. People can accept common. People are going to be deceitful. The deceitful desires can trick you into that. The lust of the flesh can trick you. There's a lot of things that can trick you. Greed can trick you, as he said. Those things can lead you there, but at the end of the day, you were not born uncommon. Jesus came to get it all back. Jesus came to save us, draw us back to what we were born to be in true righteousness and true holiness. Just a caution from last week's message on the gifts. If we're not careful, one of the things that will happen with us as we begin to talk about the gifts and talk about a person's maturing in Christ, if we begin to see the gift of the Spirit begin to manifest itself, if you will, being used in their lives. But I want to make sure there's a huge caution. I've shared this with you before. The gifts, and the Bible never tells us that the gifts are a sign that you are mature in Christ by itself. Spiritual gifts indicate spiritual capabilities. While the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, shows the spiritual character of a person. Gifts may or may not operate in a grace-changed heart. But the fruit and the growth of the fruit of the Spirit can only happen in a child of God. Make sure you understand. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Please hear what I am saying. The only way the Spirit can grow in you is He develops love in your life. That's it. I don't care what gift you have or you've got multiple gifts, it does not mean you're growing in Christ by itself. One of the greatest tasks or biggest tasks the pastor has, especially when, especially from a holiness background like we are, Wesleyan holiness background, is the belief with all of our heart that people can live to this radical optimism. Don't put that up there yet, I'll do it later. But, the, but Barna, George Barna did a, a deal a few years ago, I don't know if we have that slide, Barna, and many of you have seen this many times, but it is very, and it's been the last 10, seven or eight years when he's done this, about uh, the 15,000 Americans talking about their spiritual journey. And one of the most eye-opening parts of this study that Barna did was when you get down to five and six. And let me tell you what number six is. Some of you get a wrong idea of what I just did there, but don't you do it. It's a stretch. Bring your mind back to where we are. I could go with a metaphor there too if you want me to, but I won't. I want you to hear me. Some of you fight number six when you should be embracing it. God's going, yeah, I got you here, and man, you've strengthened. You've gotten yourself ready. You're ready to go, but this is not where I, this is not the destination. This is just a stopping point along the way. 
And now you're trying to settle. That's what you're trying to do. And I'm not going to let you. I'm going to make you. So what we do if we're not careful, going back to what Paul says there, if we're not careful as Christians, I'm not talking about a guy like at 16 years old, ran from God for 10 years. I'm talking about believers who walk into a church every week can harden their heart. And you know what you slide back to? If you do that, you go back to number five, maybe. Hopefully that's where you'll stop, but you don't always know you will. You don't know for sure. Because you may go all the way back to ignorance of concept of the existence of sin. Because that's what I, when you harden yourself long enough, you will say sin. I'll decide what that is. I'll, I'll decide. I was raised in, around church. I knew enough about it. I knew who Jesus was. I would, if you'd have put me in a, vote, a vote, voting booth that decade and said, who do you think God is? I would have voted for Jesus, but I was lost as a goose. I'd have voted for him. Overwhelmingly would have voted for him. But I was lost because I did not know him personally and he was not changing my life. We can start at one and go the other direction. But I'm going to tell you, friend, you get down here to number six and you start going back the other way, you're in trouble in your walk with Christ. I hope this is not going to be an hour and a half sermon, but it may be. I'm telling you, if this is the last sermon I'm ever going to preach, it's going to be a, it's, you're going to get all of it, Okay. Because I'm telling you, this is the tipping point. For some. Malcolm Gladwell calls it the tipping point in, in, in his book. Some of you, this is the tipping point. But when I look down here at number 9 and 10, that's what we would teach in the Wesleyan background of, of, of really sanctification. And that is... Experience at number seven, experience personal brokenness. That doesn't mean something tragic's happened to your life. You know why brokenness is there? Because what Paul is talking about is it is your old bad self, okay? You've allowed self to stay on the throne. What's happened is, no, there is going to be no greater crisis in your life ever till you realize that self is the issue and you've got to deal with self. That's the thing. When we talk about in, 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 the, in the old time crisis experience, talking about from a Nazarene background, the crisis is not something terrible happened in your life. The crisis is you've come face to face with the old man. And you've got to look the old man, the carnal nature, in the eyes and say it's time to die. That's the crisis. <laughs> and come to the point that it never was about you. It never was. It's about him and how you can, he can use you to reach them. And it's crushing. As a pastor... As you look at number 9 and 10, that only 1% even really desire that? Or maybe, maybe 8, we can throw in there 2% that really even desire what I'm talking about today? Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to deal with 7 no matter which way you go. That's what's so crazy about all this. 
How's the self-driven life working for you? How's that working for you? Aren't you tired of self? Aren't you sick of self? Timothy Keller talks about talking about spiritual growth. Sure, it's gradual. We got that slide. Timothy Keller, it's gradual. Now, it's all out of order, so I'm going to let you know that. But I'll just tell you. But it's gradual. It's inevitable. And it's symmetrical. Let me tell you what that means, if it helps you. Gradual, you won't get it all. You won't grow all one day and look up and go, look at me. It's going to be a continuous. I don't care if it's 30 years. You should still be growing as much as somebody that grew the first year. You should be. It's inevitable if you're a believer. You'll have to maybe come to the point and decide whether or not you what you want to believe. Because when you reach those broken places and those discontents, you'll have to decide, won't you? You have to decide what you want to. You, the, the straddling the fence. So I tell you where most people are miserable is straddling the fence. It's, you're almost better off not following God or following completely. It's the miserable place in between that you don't know what to do with. That, that's the problem. And it's symmetrical. And one of the challenges with that is, is we all think, well, if I can grow with this trait of the fruit of the Spirit, that's a trait of love. Oh, but I don't want, to, I don't want those other three. I, just want, I don't want those other five, four or five. I just want these two or three. No, 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 no. You, all of them got to be growing, baby. You look at the, you can go back and listen to the message I preached a couple of months ago on this in Galatians 5. Okay, but I'm just telling you, they all should be growing. You don't get to pick and choose from the trade because it's not love. If you're not being transformed, one may be greater at some point, one may be more. Forbearance may be a higher trait and it may be growing more in that, but God is working on your kindness. But it's all of it. It's all of it. And where many of us really wrestle with all this, as Keller goes on to talk about, he said where we get angry and where we get bitter is and where we just want to just throw our hands up and go, no, God, is that when God begins to deal with us in our control, our, our desire to be approved all the time, and boy, this is going to be the biggest one maybe for some of you, it's your comfort. You're stuck. Because you're not willing to let those go. You're not willing to put those on the altar. You want to continue to have control. You want, you're desiring for people's approval. And maybe above everything else, you just want comfort. Aren't you glad the Apostle Paul didn't go down that road? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't go down that road? Aren't you glad the believers who came before us, the reason why we can sit in this air-conditioned room with carpet and this big old fat screen is because the ones who gone before us did not look to that. I shared with you many months ago about the three hearts
And many of you have known this. I guess I got it originally from uh, Bill Birch, but I also think it's uh, Campus, Cru- Campus Crusade for Crisis, where it originally came from. Bill Wright. But as the natural man, that's where we all, all start. Self is on the throne, right? Christ is outside of it. The second one is the carnal or worldly man. This is all out of 1 Corinthians 2, the end of that, or 1 Corinthians 3, first three verses. And Paul talks about there, he said, you're a believer, but you're still acting like mere men. What Paul says is, I said, I address you as brothers and sisters, but the problem is you're still acting like people who are not saved. Like mere men. The cross is in our heart, but self is still on the throne. But there's this transition, and I use this transition verse here between, I think it's Romans 7, 22, where Paul talks about, in my inner being, I desire God's law. I'm going to tell you, that doesn't come natural. That's superhuman. That's God's spirit drawing you there. It's a transition concept. Okay, as Paul's saying, if you read Romans 7, Paul's sitting there going, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do, I don't want to do. He goes back and forth. But in there, he gives you a nugget. Well, yeah, they're all nuggets. They're all nuggets. <laughs> but in this part, I desire God. I desire his law working within my inner being, my bones and my soul. That doesn't come natural, folks. Matter of fact, we're bent away from that. But God begins to straighten us up. And man, to keep something that was bent so long straightened up, it's going to take something superhuman. The natural man is what it is. It's, it's, it's however you were raised, whatever your conscience does, whatever the environments, the laws of the land. The carnal man, I would say, is the man who lives. It's the man or woman who lives, standing back at the Red Sea, going, I hope it'll part again because I want to go back to Egypt. No, some days, okay, well... The land of milk and honey sent. No, no. Well, I, I, you know, back there, I didn't have to make any decisions. Kind of like communism. It was all planned for me. You know what's back in Egypt? It's called slavery. But the spiritual man is into the promised land, and he's burning bridges behind him. <laughs> He's burning them down, baby. He ain't going back. He's burning them down. You need some, you, some of you need some bridges that need to be burnt. It could be from something that's happened to you in your life. It could be some kind of addiction. It could be something that, I mean, you may have been victimized. I just want to tell you today, friend, I realize there are people who are victims. But what I can say to you today, and my belief is, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to stay no victim. You could have been victimized. And I don't discount that or minimize that in any way. Ever. But there is power in the blood. There is power to rise above that. And walk in freedom. There just is. Because I believe this. If Jesus can deliver me not only from the temptation of... Not only from the sins I've committed. He can, he can deliver me from those sins. Overpower me. He can give me the power to walk on top of them. Put my foot on its neck. I'm not saying it's extracted. or I'm not saying it'll never... It's a war. What did I say earlier? It is battling evil. Advancing the kingdom. And we are a part of not only in our own lives, but a part of helping change other people's lives, being transformed. That is an enormous task. And it's a continuous battle 
till the day we see him face to face. So if you got into this thing so all your battles will be over. I don't know who told you that. And I'm sorry they did. Because your greater battle, your greatest battles may be ahead of you. But when you win battles, what you used to fear is now behind you. There may be new things. But what you used to fear is now behind you because you know God can. You know he can. James Bryan Smith says, when I hear I'm just a sinner saved by grace, I want to say that makes as much sense as a butterfly saying, I'm just a worm with wings. As a caterpillar at one time, I I was restricted by gravity I didn't know any better because that's all I knew. But now I know better. What if there was a different narrative that actually could be lived out than the one you've been living out all these years? What if? David Needham goes on to say, what could be more frustrating than being a Christian who primarily thinks of himself to be a self-centered sinner, yet whose purpose in life is to produce God-centered holiness? What if there really was transformation? What if you really began to live a life in such a way that it was not dependent on any circumstance, not dependent on anybody else? You began to really love Galatians 5, begin to love 1 Corinthians 13. You begin the most excellent way. If you begin to love that way, not based on what anybody else has done or will or will not do, unconditionally you begin to love others because of who you are in him. So no longer are circumstances, no longer is anybody else's attitude, no longer is anybody... No. It's because of who you have become. So you can love anybody. Because it's based on what God is doing in your life. Do you need unforgiveness today? I mean, is there unforgiveness you need to give? Is there hate that's still stirring in your heart? Is there anger and rage? I'm telling you today, God can transform you to love people who may have hurt you. Richard Foster says God begins to capture you from the heart and the will and the mind and the imagination and passions. And it's more than just breaking habits. We begin to take on the personality and habits of Christ, the ethos we talk about here. The best way to escape confronting, uh, conforming to this world is not trying to be unlike the world, but allowing ourselves to become like Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Let me say this to you, friend. Self-denial and denial of self are radically different. Self de- self, uh, self-denial is I'm not going to drink this thing. I'm not going to go to that. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to. A ton of religions have that. Just don't do those things. But the denial of self that the old man, the very reason why we're in the, this middle of this mess, that's what we're going to deal with. 
That's what we're going to crucify every day. That's what we're going to be bringing up. The world says, go find yourself. Go find yourself. Embrace yourself. The Bible says, go find yourself. Crucify. And we talked about this. When you're married, you don't lose your identity. It grows. And that's what happens when we come to Christ. It's not like, oh, now I've, I've crucified my, I've, that language that Pastor Kurt used, that, that crucifying myself. Oh, now I'm just this. No, you, it enhances who you are. Now you have the gifts of the Spirit. Now you have these experiences you've gone through in your life, even if you were, whatever it might have happened, now they become tools. You become a tool, what 2 Timothy 2, 22 In a large house there, articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, uncommon purposes. And some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for uncommon purposes. Made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Man, you get a whole new life. Every day you can get up and walk through the world and you begin to see goodness. Because it's not based on anybody else. It's based on what God's doing around you. It's not based on circumstance. It's not based on, well, I hate, well, I don't want to listen to cable news anymore. I'm not going to do, no, no, no. Because you know God's up to something. You begin to see goodness everywhere. You begin to love people everywhere because it's not based on any of that. It's based on what Christ is doing in you. Willard goes on to say, Christian spiritual formation rests on this indispensable foundation of death to self and cannot proceed except insofar as the foundation is firmly laid and sustained. Sustained. Not just laid, but sustained. Before there can ever be resurrection, there has to be a death. Transformation of what God is calling us to, no doubt, is a holy and mysterious thing. The time limit of how it works, as I talked about Keller, his thoughts, I I can't tell you how it all works. What God is working on me now, thank goodness, is not what he was working on me five years ago. That's behind me. (laughs) I love what King David after Nathan confronts him with the truth about his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, David realizes, King David realizes the slippery slope of only standing on God's forgiveness. And that's required, okay? Don't, we all have to have that. But here's the slippery slope. King David knew he had to have a new heart. Psalm 51, 10, and 10 through 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore in me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit, a willing spirit to sustain me. There's that word again. It's not just that a hurt needs to be healed or a sin that needs to be forgiven. It's a heart that needs to be made new. I didn't realize 1988 when I had my first two years in my awesome Baptist church here, and it was, it was great two years, but the Lord began to work on me that there was more than I was experiencing or understanding. And I started this journey trying to search for it. And it took me to all kinds of places, and sometimes, and some of them were pretty crazy at times, to be honest with you, searching for more. Because my prayer was, God, if there's more, I want more. Whatever more is, your word says there's immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Well, I want, my imagination is pretty, pretty significant. <laughs> and I searched, and I, one night I was, I was at a church out in, called, in Lone Pine, Texas, And there were some folks laying hands on me for me to get the gift of tongues because, at least from their standpoint, that was the the sign that you're filled with the Spirit. And I'm not begrudging or or, or smirging or whatever the right word. I'm just saying that was their thought. And they were praying over me, and I was trying to, as I said before, I'm trying to crank start it. I was trying to start, and I'm not trying, I'm not really light of it. It's just what it was. I was trying, and underneath there, the Spirit spoke to me, not audibly, but just about as loud. It said, quit seeking the gifts and seek the giver. And it changed everything. It was a, it was a game changer. Life-altering, time stopped. I'll never be the same again kind of moment. Changed everything. And what I realized that night, and as I searched for it over time, is that I looked at a lot of other things for the reason why I wasn't growing. And what I finally had to come to do was this. One of the hardest things that will ever happen in your life is is to realize the journey you've been on and all the, the upsetness and all the baggage you may carry or whatever it may be. The key to that freedom is here and how you interact with the Holy God. He'll allow you to continue to carry it but I remember a song years ago and the song kind of said said God looks at us and all these things are stacked on top of us and God I, I get this visual and God kind of looking down going what are you doing under there <laughs> what, what, what are you doing under there that, that's not what I'm trying I've come that you may be set free true freedom as we talk about here the true freedom is the ability to know what you should do the desire to want to do it and the faith and power to live it out. The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. And that's where some of you are stuck. Many of you have got it here. You don't have it here yet. Or may not ever. Because there may be some hardening going on. You may not ever. And that's sad for a pastor to say. But then you have the faith and power to live it out true freedom people have asked over the years Kurt how did you grow so fast in your faith when you came to know the Lord and it was crazy I realized early on maybe somebody said it to me delayed obedience is disobedience if you've ever raised kids you know what that means (laughs) 
And if you're a child in this room who had parents who used that as part of their, you know what that means. <laughs> the late obedience is disobedience. I believe when we're slow to embrace God's truth, it's almost like a drip, drip. And it's not what Jesus promises like this flow, this wellspring of life bubbling up within us. It's just, just drip, 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 drip. How long can I go? Drip, drip, drip. And it annoys everybody. Drip, drip, drip. If you have a, if you have a drip at your house, drip, drip, drip. And if your life is that way, drip, drip, it's annoying a lot of other people. <laughs> I just made that up, so I'm not sure it is annoying them. You have to ask them. But when this wellspring of gushing of life that Jesus promises, it is evident. You can't hide it. You can't. Everybody knows it. Drip, drip. But before you feel too heavy today, before you leave here, I want to say this to you. And Josiah and Yoga, come on down if you don't mind. This sermon today is not to beat you up. This sermon today is to give you a point you to a pathway to freedom. Because one of the things that came so real to me early on was I had to figure out the difference between conviction and condemnation. Please hear me. Some of you need to work through what I am saying today is coming to you as condemnation and when reality is it should be coming to you as conviction of the power of the Holy Spirit landing in your life. Because He has so much in store for you. He comes to convict. He comes to change. He comes to raise us above where we were. Condemnation says you will always be that. Thank goodness. If you saw me at 25 years old, my hair was longer, had a cool mustache and all that kind of stuff. And if you just said I could stay at that health and all those kind of things for the rest of my life, I might have looked at that and said, okay, I'll trade that. The problem is I was a mess. I was a disaster. I am so glad God transforms. And I'm not, yeah, those things happen and all that, but that's not who I am now. God transforms. For some of you today, you got to make the decision. This could be a game changer moment for you today. Your purpose is to live in true righteousness and holiness. That's your purpose. Through Christ, obviously, and the empowerment of the Spirit indwelling in your life. That, that's just it. That's your purpose. Then once that begins to happen, then it's to go battle evil. <laughs> Advance the kingdom. And all this continues to happen over a lifetime because you're being matured and growing up in your faith. But I use this illustration, even some of you have heard it before, it's kind of like inviting someone to your house. And if you had a foyer in your house, you would invite them into your house and say, hey, just come on in, you're always welcome, and you move them in. And you allow them to just stay there in the foyer. They can hear you back there eating. They can smell the food. They can hear you watching the, the, the football game. They can hear you cursing, watching the Cardinals and all those kind of things. Okay. No. It's time to go to bed and you're still in the foyer and it's time to go to bed and you go up by them and you go upstairs and you go to bed and, and, and you're, still, you're still saying the whole time you check on them every now and then and go, you're welcome, but you just got to stay right there. 
Would there be a point somewhere in there you didn't feel so welcome? Jesus just doesn't say, I want your foyer. And I want your living room. And maybe give me a drawer in the bedroom. He says, I want the whole house. And all the things you swept under that rug, all the things you closed up in that closet, every drawer open to him. I'm not saying you have to tell everybody else. I'm just saying to him. And we talk about in the church, it's that consecration where we come. We have altars here and we come and we, it's a place. It's the only place. It's not a sacred place in the sense unless you are meeting God there. But it is a place to lay it all down, to put it on the altar. And it is a crisis. Not because your life is so messed up, it may be going well. It's because God's dealing with self. That's why it's a crisis. That's why. Won't you stand? Let me pray for us. Thank you for tolerating me. This is, this is a gate that swung open for you. When Christ saved you, there was a huge gate swung. Now this gate's swinging even wider. To walk in freedom he's going Lord here it all is you've got my finances you've got my relationships you've got my future you've got my social media you've got my you've got it all and I'm going to begin to filter this through you've got my past you know what happened or you know what I didn't do what I should have done whatever that is as Maria Robinson said I can't go back and write a new beginning but I can start today and write a new ending Lord, help us right now. As those who feel led to, Lord, would they will come. And Lord, it's nothing we do here today unless the Spirit is working through what we're trying to do. This is for naught. This is just an exercise that we need to give our people their time back and let them go do something else. But Lord, we believe you're in it. We believe your word gives us a pathway to freedom. Lord, let us walk in that for your glory. And Lord, help those today who want to come, or even at their own seat, but especially those who may want to come down here, Lord, to do it in such a way that they understand what you're calling them to. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.